what do I want to tackle today? They're all things I want to dive into. The challenge is which one do I want to do today? Yeah, each day is like, a, I won't say a party. It's a lot of hard work, but I just love doing it. I guess somehow I've managed to put myself into a position where I'm allowed to do that. Welcome to A Congruent Life, where we share inspirational stories of authenticity and happiness. A Congruent Life is an interview project sharing the stories of ordinary people doing extraordinary things, discovering their passions, and living authentic, amazing lives. Here's your host, Andy Gray. Greetings and thanks for joining me for episode 66 of A Congruent Life. My name is Andy Gray and it's my honor to share stories of authenticity and reinvention with you and have you join me for some conversations with some inspiring people who live their lives with authenticity and congruence. Today I'm glad to share with the A Congruent Life community a conversation with Derek Diedrichson, also known to his friends as Deke. Deke is a builder of tiny homes, a musician, an artist, and exemplifies not putting people into boxes. Here's our conversation. I'm talking today to Derek Diedrichson, who is a builder, a designer, uh, author of a book called Humble Homes and Simple Shacks, all around great guy. Deke, welcome to A Congrat Life. Hey, thanks, man. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. It's funny, we were just talking and trying to figure out how to introduce you because you're involved in so many different things and, and doing so many different projects. And it's really kind of hard to sum up what it is you do. So maybe let's start by introducing yourself to our audience. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to. I always joke to people, I'm like, I should have like a three-sided business card or maybe just like a cube that you inflate. That's my business card nice. because I do quite a lot of uh, things. I tend to do them all at once. Uh, I do a lot of freelance building. I'm an author of uh, Humble Home Simple Shacks. Like you mentioned, I got another brand new book, Micro Shelters, coming out through Story Press. I'm doing a whole book tour around that, too, in the Northwest. Um, Let's see. I run a couple blogs, um, a YouTube channel, which is also called RelaxShacks, D-O-T-com, spelled out is the name of the channel, where we have a ton of videos. I'm posting stuff all the time there. Uh, I do a lot of workshops around the U.S. And I was now now I can say from Fargo to Australia and everywhere in between, because just this year we did Fargo and Australia and, you know, Brooklyn, Vermont, Massachusetts, North Carolina. So we're pretty busy with that stuff. And I do a lot of treehouse building for people, both kids and adults. And I I play in, uh, well, a couple bands, but more recently this band, Inverter, which is like metal meets New York City hardcore meets hip-hop meets God knows what, a couple cases of beer, perhaps. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I like to keep busy with what I love to do. And it's for me, it's not really work because I love doing it. To me, that's one of the intriguing things, actually. And, and one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show is that you are so not easily labeled about what you do in your work, and you bring such enthusiasm to, to all of it. And you're involved in all these different things, and somehow you've managed to put together this life that works for you in a really beautiful way. Yeah, no, I got no complaints. I, I wake up every morning, I'm like, I don't have to do anything. I'm more excited. The, the challenge is, what do I want to tackle today? Which you know, What excites me the most? Should I go work on this uh, I'm building this like this cabin, a tiny house almost with a loft for the Cub Scout den I lead. I do that too. I'm a baseball coach as well and a couple other things. And uh, with the Cub Scouts, and I'm doing some of the building on my own, and it's to raise funds for the pack, and it's been a lot of fun. So it's like, do I work on that today? 
or do I work on the Tetris-like wall in my basement where I'm segmenting off a new little bedroom, or do I go to my studio and do some painting, or do I, and it's like, they're good options. Yeah. Uh, they're all things I want to dive into. The challenge is which one do I want to do today? So, uh, yeah, each day is like, a, I, I won't say a party. It's a lot of hard work, but I just love doing it. So I guess somehow I've managed to put myself into a position where I'm allowed to do that. Mm. There's no sugar mama involved or anything like that. That'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but I do way more fun things, uh, travel more. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I'm probably rambling and way off the, the question here, but that's another thing I do. That's a business <laughs> Professional rambler. rambler. That's good. <laughs> No, it's it's all fascinating. There's so many ways that we could go. Uh, let's maybe start by rewinding a little bit and talk about how did you get to where you are today? You know, when you were a teenage dude, you know, you're looking ahead at your future. What kinds of thoughts did you have and what kind of decisions did you make about where you wanted to go? Well, I always realized I didn't want to work for people because a lot of people who work for the past were just idiots. So <laughs> and at a young age, I realized these people are just stupid and I don't like being told what to do. So how can I get out of this situation? No, my father's a very creative guy. And my family, I come from a family of school teachers um, and, and fairly well-educated folks. And um, my father was kind of a Mr. or is a kind of a Mr. Fix-It, thrifty kind of guy. I got that from him and my grandfather. And just at an early age, um, I just like doing things myself. I think it started with hiring someone to fix something. Do it your damn self. Um, you know, building things. If you want to go way back, I've always been building, starting with forts, tree houses, with salvage, dumpster dive materials. And, you know, my brother and I talk every once in a while. Uh, you know, we were in Sydney, Australia, doing a build. We were invited to do this class. They flew us over there. We're drinking by the uh, the, uh, the opera house, you know, perfect night out. I said to him, you realize we're in Australia because we build forts out of shit, right? <laughs> it's like, it's a little bit surreal, you know, and that's really un understanding it because you know a lot of the builds we do are some of them are high end but uh i don't know like you said somehow i've managed to just take things i love and then focus on that and and make it a career and again i'm rambling here but you know it's something i enjoy mm -hmm. doing i got a full-fledged degree in rambology <laughs> <laughs> so when you were young you're a teenager building forts and tree houses and stuff did you ever dream that that would be part of your life part of your professional life Yes and no. I mean, that's what I was kind of getting at in that last ramble-a-thon, that filibuster, was um, I've always been into it. I'm like, in one way or another, I got to incorporate building and DIY stuff, which, you know, I get from my father and other members of my family, into what I do. I worked in radio for a while, and that was kind of a fluke. I worked for CBS as a radio announcer. Um, at one point in time, in a top 10 market, I was the youngest DJ in the U.S., full-time DJ. Mm. And this was for WBCN, a once legendary station out of Boston, a station that broke the the police, U2, and all these the cars, all these big bands, which has since been taken over after it's like 40-year run by sports radio. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, at an early age, um, I kind of knew I'd go in this direction. Like I said, I hated working for people. Like, how can I just not work for people and just be creative and find ways to do stuff on my own? And part of it takes a lot of reinvention. The, the tide's always change like even with workshops lately we've been doing workshops since uh the hands-on building workshops since 2009 or so and now everyone and their grandmother's former scuba coach's cousin does tiny house workshops most of them not hands-on 
So it's getting tougher to draw people to them to be to stand out through the crowd, although we still do. Um, so we've started to kind of ban what we do. We're working in collaborative arts. What we build is, is always more whimsical and way cooler than what they do. And uh, <laughs> I'm rarely that unmodest. <laughs> and we ours are like campouts. There's speakers by the bonfire. And we try to make it very different. Um, but we're trying to incorporate some other aspects of the maker world, DIY, DIY aesthetic. So, But at an early age, yeah, I'm like... Uh, I'm sure as hell I'm not going to be a lot jockey for a car dealership for the rest of my life. No disrespect to those who are. It's just not for me. Um, I always knew I'd be doing something with music or art because I was so infatuated with all mm. three. And I still you know, delve into all those. So when you're making these choices about what you're going to do, this sounds terribly uh, analytical, but did you have like a business plan of this? Hell did, no. did you have any sense of how you were going to support yourself and make money and do all those kinds of things? Or did you just start jumping in and doing what you loved? No, I, I still don't have a business plan. You know, it's like not a formal business plan, but a vision of, of how you might make money. No, not really. I think a lot of it comes through just keeping an open mind and being observant. Like, all right. Um, well, even the workshops, for instance, that was just from listening to blog readers who I was doing all these videos, these tutorials. I used to work for Make Magazine on contract and do videos for them, projects and stuff for about two years. And a lot of people write me like, you know, you should do some hands-on workshops. I'm like, I never really thought of it. I'm like, well, I'll try it out. And we did a workshop in my backyard and it sold out in like a week. So, you know, we've done a crap load of workshops since. So it sometimes it's just like sticking out there and trying something new or listening to what people have to say. Um, and art-wise, I've been doing art forever, but I randomly stumbled into selling paintings, which I've been pretty successful with, by posting a few of them online just to share, hey, I was bored the other day, here's what I worked on. Someone's like, hey, can I buy that for $400? So I'm like, uh, sure. <laughs> and now I have a studio building you know, in the center of my town that, that's populating a formerly abandoned space in town that has time lights at night. It's like a whole funky display, Timothy Leary meets God knows what, um, where I just go to retreat and paint. I got kids too. So in there, there's a two-story fort studio with a bunk ladder just to relegate their mess to two cube-like studios. So it's like a forts build within a uh, abandoned space and just crazy robots and monsters and crap everywhere. <laughs> it's kind of my man, my wife, my wife's like, you happy with your new man cave when I moved into that space from my old studio? I am. I am happy. because She can't tell me to clean this and that up. It's, you know, there's crap everywhere, um, <laughs> you know, in a good way. It's not like a mess, but there's it's just a very busy place uh -huh. that, like I said, lights up at night with a variety of like very vintage, ugly, gaudy lamps in the window. So how did your sense of creation and, and art turn into a focus on tiny houses? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole tiny house thing, like I said, there wasn't really a scene in the 80s. And I owned a bunch of books back then and not being such a computer literate gentleman, um, you know, Lester Walker was one of my idols. He came up with this book called Tiny Houses in 1985, and I got a copy of that for my birthday. I'm like, oh, my God, as adults, you're still allowed to build tiny structures, forts for adults, and it's not considered something that's straitjacket worthy. And uh, that was the awakening to the fact that, like, maybe I can still be infatuated with this crap and, and not be, you know, some total outcast. Not that I even care about that, but uh, it... it introduced me to the adult world of forts mm. and uh i'm a total add case by the way 
which is maybe part of the creativity or why I don't focus on one thing. <laughs> no, it's not a problem at all. I, I was just curious how this sense of DIY, creation, art, all of these qualities that you had in you, yeah. how that got channeled into tiny houses or, or focus on building structures. Yeah, it was, I mean, what I do now, a lot of people call it, it's like shelter as art. Um, but background-wise, I grew up in a very small house. Um, and in a town where some of my neighbors and friends had these ridiculous houses, we had this modest little ranch. I shared a bedroom with my brother that was 10 by 10 feet, well into high school, you know, all my, anyway. So to me, simplicity works, smallness. Like I, I never understood why people needed these mansion like houses because some of my friends, I wouldn't, you know, that I hung out, wouldn't meet their parents till years later because they were working 110 hours a week to pay for a house they were never in. So to me, it was stupid. So it was, I think take the art part away from it. Tiny houses, small spaces work for me. I was in the Boy Scouts, Eagle Scouts, the whole nine, camping in small tents, cabins, vacationing in small cabins with my parents, growing up in a small house. Then later, I'm like, how can I fuse? Because there's only, you know, there's finite time for me on this earth. How can I fuse art and the other things I like to do with tiny structures? So it's like three, four birds in one stone. How can I do that? Um, and will there be a market for it? Didn't know. Let's try it out. And it turns out people do like really weird stuff you know building mosaic walls out of scraps things like that clear walls with tetris like framing um you know i built a tree house just last year it's a giant light up robot head in someone's backyard and uh, we got a couple other really weird ones coming up so how far can i push the envelope while doing what i love so far it's worked out pretty well that's a great way to push it how far can i push the envelope while still doing what i love that's great yeah, that's great. You'll have to send some pictures that we can uh, include with the show notes for this so people can see some examples of your work. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. We, uh, we got a couple of things in the works, too, and sketches right now. I'm drafting up for another tree house. And it's funny. I do a lot of tree houses lately. And uh, part of it's uh, the, uh, the Treehouse Master Show with Pete Nelson. But people just love tree houses. Like, have you ever met an adult who's like, I, I hate tree houses? You know, you got to be one miserable son of a bitch to, you know, why would you ever hate them? They're mm. so cool. You know, they just, the embodiment of like youth and freedom. Um, but I'm doing a couple coming up and a lot of the adults are always a little bit embarrassed to admit that the trios is really for them when they try to pass it off as it's for their kid. It's like, all right, buddy, I, you know, embrace it. I, uh, I, I'm getting a feeling this trios is more so for you, but people are hesitant to admit it. So a lot of the trios I build are actually for adults. Why do you think that is that adults are not willing to embrace that? Well, I mean, there's the uh, there's that notion or the oversold, overvalued notion that you know you you should mature and grow up and not be so mature all the time. Like, who gives a damn about that? Mm. You know, I see some people who I used to know who are just very fun, outgoing, and I see them as like, man, you know, the new you. It's been years. Like something inside you died. You're this serious, like just unfun i don't know piece of, no i don't know i see these people it's like what happened to you along the way it used to be so fun social outgoing and adventurous and somewhere along the line maybe it's the jobs people take it beats that out of them and uh, yeah i get a fair amount of ridicule um here and there where i'm just this yeah, adult kid but yeah i'm smiling mm. every day as i work the people who are saying that they're you know popping zits while drinking Diet Dr. Pepper, being miserable, you know, online armchair heroes uh, being douchebags. <laughs> it's like, that was a lengthy insult there to those people. <laughs> 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 no, but it's a, there's a whole faction of people out there who will diss 
and never do. And it's always going to be that way. Um, but yeah, I'm having it's full circle. I'm having fun with what I'm doing, and I don't really give a damn what people think. Was that anything that you had to overcome? Did you, have you always just not cared what people think, or does that sting sometimes? And how do you deal with that? I worked in radio first and foremost before I did this, and you got to have skin like leather to work in radio. Mm. I mean, I had people I did. I used to work weekdays from seven to midnight. I get people in Boston gangs calling me up because they didn't like a certain joke, saying they'd be waiting for me outside. They would cut me up with razors and, you know, stupid stuff or people who get very personal. But you got to remember that a lot of people who have the time to even get angry at just some little comment you've made or something you've built. Like, you know, this is for anyone who does YouTube videos or anything. These people are out there doing it, trying to be productive. Um, I never understood the mentality where you go in there and just cut somebody down. I think a lot of it is you have too much time on your hand. You're not doing anything yourself. You're miserable and uh, or don't have the capabilities to, or, you know, the drive to try any project yourself. And so I, a lot of a lot of times like, from the comment, you can tell like this person just miserable. Like, I don't need a comeback. The comeback is they're miserable. And instead of being out there doing whatever and having fun, they're sitting on the computer dissing people like that's no life to lead. It does seem that that's where the, the sharpest criticism comes from those that aren't out there themselves. The whole man in the arena thing. Yeah, I mean, there's armchair professionals, you know, and and what I do get sometimes is people will actually give like constructive criticism. I'm all for that. And every once in a while, you get some super knowledgeable builder out there, like why do you, you know, or they'll they'll bring it about fairly. Why did you go in this approach instead of doing this? And usually, I'll have a reason for it. Every once in a while, I'm like, no, nah, I just screwed up or ran out of materials. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's always going to be people out there who we're going to hate and complain. You know, I always say, you know. If someone came up with a cure for cancer, there'd still be people would bitch Absolutely. about it. So, and I'm not saying anything I do comes even close to curing cancer. Believe me, <laughs> Deke said his his art's like the cure for cancer. No, um, but there's always gonna be some people out there who whine, who are miserable. But for every person out there like that, there's some people who are great, who are supportive. So, I will never, even if I buy a book at Amazon.com, and this is just me that I'm like, this book is a piece of crap or something. I won't go on and put a negative review. I'm just like, eh, mental note, I didn't like the book. To myself, why spread the hate? Other people see it as, I should warn other people. But I think of it being an author myself is as these people took a lot of time and put themselves out there to try to, you know, to create this product. Why step on X or, you know, their female counterparts, you know, what's it going to do? I spent my $3 on the used. Well, that's the other thing too. Half the time someone will buy a used book for like a dollar then spend like, you know, nine paragraphs or like, Oh my God, biggest waste of money ever. Some of the insults, honestly, though, I find almost comical or some of them even sad. Like I kind of feel bad for you. You spent all that time picking apart something that's so nitpicky. It really just, there's a uh, really no justification in what you put forth. So uh, you're always going to find that like, I've watched so many videos out there on YouTube from people who are 10 times older I am. And there's always some miserable person who's going to cut them down on something they did that I, I consider genius. I'm like, how can you find any fault in that product they just built? That thing is amazing. It's beautiful. It's creative. And someone's like, well, I don't like the, uh, the splash of pink they put on the baseboard in the corner if you zoom in uh, frame number so-and-so during the video. Well, you know, it is interesting because a lot of it is that sort of emotional reaction and perspective on criticism that I think is really important. And here's a little side story real quick. And you know, I don't know about quick. I can't guarantee that. When I worked in radio, like I said, a lot of people come up with insults. Some of the people just want to be heard or want to feel better about themselves. If I cut others down, it makes me feel better about what I do. 
And, you know, that's the age-old explanation, whatever. But in radio, we get some scathing emails once in a while, like, I don't like the voices, the George Carlin voice you do, Deke, or just whatever. So my co-host and I came up with this fake formatted email, because some of these people just wanted attention, where we would send it back to them and said, Dear listener, while we greatly appreciate your undying support of our show, it's people like you who make the show possible. Sadly, at this point in time, due to the volume of email we get, we can't personally reply to your email. But thank you so much for your support. You are the best, blah, blah, blah. And we would just send that to them and then wait for the reply. It would drive them crazy because they didn't get acknowledgement that, like, that I got mad or was mm. insulted. So it's just this fake formatted letter. It, oh, it was great. And we used to read some of the, uh, the angry stuff on the air and just get a kick out of it. Nice. Life's too short to complain and hate. That's, I think, what it comes down to for me. Sounds like a great philosophy. I totally agree with you on that. Yeah, I guess. Saw that in a Bazooka Joe comic once. <laughs> Trademark. When we were talking earlier, you were talking about um, revitalizing your town through building and tiny house building. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the role that this kind of ethos or this kind of approach to home building or structure building has in the revitalization of communities? I think it ties in simply, bare bones level. Taking ju- What I do is I take junk and stuff that's going to be thrown away and I try to make it something beautiful. And that's kind of on par with what we're trying to do with the town. I have my art space. Like I said, it's not a public gallery, but the whole front. Um, and, and I should go back to say it's not a mess. It's just very busy. Um, the whole front is on timers, lights up at night. That store used to be this empty hole in this building with nothing in it, you know, dirty windows. And, and now it, it's got all this funky stuff for people to look at and it lights up. And a lot of it's, uh, flea market stuff or things I've built or art made out of kitchen cabinet doors. I've recycled robots made out of whatever I found on the side of the road. So with this other spot, it's a, it's a TV repair shop. Um, that's been open since like the fifties, which, you know, that those kind of shops are a dying breed who repairs anything anymore, which is sad. Um, but it ties into to building and beautifying through, with trash to the, my whole tiny house in, in small structure mission um, right there. The town's not giving me any money to do this. There is a committee they're forming to beautify the town. I said, forget it. I don't want to wait for that. I will spend my own money and collect my own materials and maybe tie it into a workshop, which we're doing. We're going to build all sorts of weird stuff in a time-lapse uh, film sequence on day two. We're going to starting together the shop, repainting it, doing the windows up, adding all this weird art and architectural things to the shop. So um, it's a workshop slash revitalization slash future fun, you know, YouTube video uh, time lapse with the accompaniment of the Benny Hill theme, probably. I don't know. Um, all wrapped into one. Kind of answering your question, kind of not. No, that's great. That's great. The overall theme of the show of A Congruent Life is about authenticity and reinvention. And so we've been talking about authenticity and reinvention all throughout. But what does living authentically mean to you? Doing as you damn well please. While, yeah, I mean, of course, not anything. I'm not going to go out there and like, you know, hand a nun a hand, a hand grenade after I pull the pen or anything like that. And, uh, you know, that... The, you know, awful things like that. Um, I probably shouldn't even use that example. That's like as awful as it gets. <laughs> more complaints. <laughs> Gee, Deke, that was morbid. No, just uh, following your instincts, doing what makes you happy. Um, and again, you know, there's some societal rules and such. Like, I'm not going to 
go out there and, or, you know, I guess it's to each their own. You know, if crystal meth makes you happy, <laughs> no, don't go for it. But uh, just, yeah, following your instincts. You know, you don't, I don't want to wake up every morning like, oh, time to make the donuts and go to some job I despise. If that's you right now, try to start taking some steps uh, to change that. You know, life is finite before, you know, not to get morbid again or, you know, at some point in time, you know, time flies. I'm going to be in the ground. So let's have some fun with it. Do the things I want to do while I got some time here. Um, and I used to use that approach. I was talking about someone uh, talking about this to someone even at an early age. Um, I kind of realized, like, in the end run, what does it really matter? You know, when I was getting nervous to call some girl up on the phone to ask her out, like in high school, they're like, hello, you know, <laughs> prepubescent deke right there. Um, I realized even at that time, like, you know what, let's get some balls. Let's do what I got to do or want to do. Worst case, someone's going to say no. And in a week, this will all be forgotten. So go for it. Underline that a couple of times. Footnote. Do as you damn well, please. It's awesome how you've managed to do that in your life, just to charge ahead and put all those pieces yeah. together. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. I got like I got kids and I got to balance others, too. And, you know, a wife who works a very different work schedule than me to coordinate that stuff is uh, very jigsaw like sometimes. Uh, but considering my wife's super supportive, she's awesome and slash very tolerant of what I do. My backyard looks like Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. You know, the tiny house version of it, you know, or the Oompa Loompa version of it. So she's super supportive of what I do. And I'm lucky uh, while we're polar opposites that we are similar or agree on things in certain levels. So that's I give her some credit because most most women, if they're with me, would be like, this dude is absolutely <laughs> nuts. <laughs> Restraining order. No, he builds too many tiny houses. So what's going on in your world today, D? What what are some uh, projects that you're excited about? Excited about? Um, I got a treehouse build for a guy coming up potentially. Um, and my wife's like, don't take any more builds. Stop it. You know, while she's supportive, she also keeps me grounded. Sometimes like you're doing too much. And sometimes I am. So I got a build coming up for this guy who he built a treehouse for his kids. And then two weeks later in a storm, a tree fell on it and destroyed oh. it. And he said, I just can't bring myself to like build another one. I just don't have the time. So he saw my videos and gave me a ring. I might be doing at some point a little build in Brooklyn tied in with this cool solar company, Voltaic, and uh, like a little Brooklyn backyard build. There's some alliteration for you. Boy! Um, I'm tiny. Uh, I got my tiny house summer camp. That's September 18th, I think, to the 20th. I own 10 acres of land in Vermont I bought when I was young. There's eight super whimsical, weird cabin shelters and tree houses on there, all grid. So we meet there for three days with camping building bonfire discussions guest speakers it's almost like you know it's funny but the misfit conference I'd, I'd never heard of it before i was asked to speak at it my workshops are fairly similar in approach but like the backwoods like deliverance no i shouldn't use deliverance no one will come they're like the backwards uh backwoods version of the badness that goes on at the misfit con um that's why i love and misfit con so much like this is awesome and uh, my book comes out, like I said, September 8th, Micro Shelters, which is tiny house. It's not just tiny houses, but it's tiny houses, tree houses, shelters, backyard hobby sheds, anything in between. And it actually has six full plan sets, some of which I came up with and some are collaborations with dudes like Jay Schaefer um, from the Four Lights Tiny House Company. And I don't know, man, I could go on and on and like, you know, I'll look back at the screen. And I'm like, oh, my God, Andy fell asleep or, you know. 
he's expired from old age. <laughs> so that's the gist of it, I guess, right there. And that July workshop, 25th, 26th, relaxshacks.com, shameless plug. We've got a couple slots left. To build, see some guest speakers, go bar hopping and help revitalize the time, uh, town all at the same time. Again, how can I fuse all my interests into one event? That's fantastic that you put all those pieces together, though. That's, that's amazing. Or just incredibly weird. Maybe some of both. Good. Is there a final thought that you'd like to leave our listeners with about authenticity? The things I'm saying sound cliche, and they've been said so many times over, but they're true. You know, just follow your heart, kid. Don't be a tomato. No, uh, I don't know. That's, that's really what it comes down to. You know, A doesn't make me happy, but B does. Gee, which one should you go for? Granted, you might not be able to make money collecting, you know, ants in your backyard or frying them with a magnifying glass if that's what happens to make you happy for some sick, twisted, weird reason. Um, but at least try to incorporate some of B into your life somehow. Even if, you know, you don't have to make a living by it, but just, just make sure you leave some time for yourself and, and keep yourself happy. I see some, I got a lot of friends who make a crap load of money, not happy. They don't have any like hobbies or any loves out. It's just making money to pay for a big house and to pay for a fancy car. Like, is that what makes you happy? And Killing yourself, working 100 hours a week? No thanks. I'd rather make less money and do what I love. I'm on the back listening to, you know, heavy metal, like I said, drinking beer and building stuff with with wood and scraps I found on the side of the road. That floats my boat, might not float anyone else's, but, you know, that's me following option, option B. And I'll leave it at that. Very cool. Well, Deke, Derek Diedrichson, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to chat with us today. It's got some fascinating stories and really glad to introduce our listeners to you. Hey, thanks so much, man. And you know, for the listeners out there, I apologize if anything I said was just completely incoherent. Probably was. That's all right. But I'm having fun with it. Again, because I'm choosing option B. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, thanks, Andy. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation with Derek Diedrichson. The show notes for this episode are at acongruentlife.net slash 66. Or rather than having you spell his last name, let's just go with acongruentlife.net slash deek, just D-E-E-K. Thanks to those of you who have been supporting the show. I appreciate reviews, emails, and inquiries. Thanks for sharing Acongruent Life with others. And if you haven't already, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the show at acongruentlife.net slash iTunes or acongruentlife.net slash Stitcher. Thanks. Thanks for listening to and supporting Acongruent Life. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to A Congruent Life. For more, please visit us on the web at acongruentlife.net. Do you have feedback about the show or suggestions for future guests? Please contact us through the website or send an email to feedback at acongruentlife.net. See you next time.